Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. As the first month of Donald Trump's presidency comes to an end, Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek's most recent podcast series provides updates on the new administration's impact on crucial issues facing businesses. Brownstein's strategic advisor, Senator Mark Begich, moderates bipartisan discussions with the firm's Washington, D.C. policy professionals and attorneys on tax and trade, financial services, immigration, energy, and health care. In this episode, Policy Director Elizabeth Mayer provides an update on Trump's immigration executive order and travel ban, work visas, and immigration reform. Hi, this is Mark Baggage, former senator from Alaska. I'm a strategic advisor for Brownstein, and we're bringing you a series of podcasts on many of the issues that Congress will be dealing with. And not only will you hear about uh, the big topics, but what's happening behind the scenes and probably some information you haven't heard yet. So we're excited to bring these to you. Today, we're going to talk about immigration with Elizabeth Mayer, who's the policy director, is well-trusted policy and political advisor, is now focusing her efforts and expertise on advising Brownstein clients about numerous legislative and regulatory issues and using her expertise to advance clients' priorities. Elizabeth worked more than 10 years as legislative director to U.S. Senator John Kyle, where she actively pursued the center's many legislative priorities. Elizabeth is widely known for her work on immigration and homeland security matters. She worked as Kyle's chief staffer for numerous years on major immigration overhauls, including the last major immigration effort in 2007, when Senator Kyle, the Senate's chief Republican negotiator, worked alongside chief negotiator Senator Ted Kennedy and President George W. Bush to try to pass reform. Elizabeth, thank you for being here, and I know our the Brownstein clients love you. They talk about you, and these issues with immigration homeland, there's no hotter topic when you think about right. today. You know, let's start with the one that everyone seems to be, every court seems to be dealing with right now, and that's the uh, executive order by President Trump and the travel ban. And I know I've talked to uh, different groups, different organizations, some of our clients here at Brownstein, about how they're, they're not sure what the impact is and what does it mean and what's the implications and now it's going through the court. So maybe can you set the stage of where we're at because I think there's some confusion on what it means, what courts are doing, and is there another one coming? Because <laughs> that was kind of last last couple of weeks or so there was a discussion of, okay, this was not doing so well, so maybe we'll write a new one. Right. Um, sure. I'll focus on, you know, I'll let the court's process work its way through appeals and, and things like that and the the number of courts that have jurisdiction, you know, upwards from the initial Ninth Circuit decision is just a, a too long a conversation to get into and too complicated. But let's suffice it to say that it could end up all the way at the Supreme Court. Which um, is unique because with a 4-4 split, yeah. without the Ninth Judge, who knows what can happen here. Right. So the flip side of it is whether the Trump administration will issue a new executive order. And I am hearing that, you know, obviously there are efforts to put something together and ripen it. Um, I don't know if they'll ever issue it or not. It's funny because the leaks that come out right now from the Trump administration all seem to be about 
who likes who and this and that. But the actual <laughs> seventh substance, grade gossip. <laughs> seventh grade gossip. That's exactly the right way to put it. But the actual substance of things aren't leaked as much. So we're staying in close contact with the Trump administration and also with our clients about the executive order. I think what could theoretically happen, the Trump administration could pare it down. Um, they could um, they could reiterate they could restate that um, that the the seven country um, temporary ban has nothing to do with religion. Right, it's a pure travel ban. It's a pure travel ban, and a clarification that only those individuals who have never stepped foot in the United States and have never begun the process or, for a green card, right, um, which became would, part of the controversy. People weren't sure. Right. Right. And then it was clarified right. through some sort of stumblings, to be quite honest, that they weren't trying to loop in um, individuals who had been awarded um, or were in line for a number for a green card. Um, so I think that clarification would be made. I think that um, also, though, um, the potential timeout on refugees, I think that they would try to do they would continue to try to do. And I think with respect to Syrian refugees, I'm not quite sure on that one, um, but I think they might try to do that too. The other issues, um, the other um, provisions of it, such as a reduction to 50,000 from 100,000 for the number of refugees who can come into the United States, that is actually, um, it used to be 50,000 like 10 years ago or so, it was 50,000, not 100. And the thing that no one talks about is that's a completely soft number that can be pierced. It's just a number that the administration throws out. And if there's a... a As a target or at least a, a, something that here's our number so we can gauge where we're at. Yeah. And if there's a groundswell of new refugee applicants, they don't need Congress's approval. They have to um, let Congress know, but they don't need Congress's approval to pierce through that cap. So they could go up as high but in number, but they don't have to. So if they said administratively, we're going to do 50,000 or 20,000, they yeah. can do that yeah, they without can. any congressional action right. or repercussions from Congress. That's right. So that's where I think we are on it. I don't have a time. I don't have timing yet, but I do. The, what I am hearing is that they are trying to ripen, um, you know, a new draft. Um, and I think I think maybe next week we'll get some better feedback about when um, or even if what the, the timing will be for a release of a new order. What What do you think? You know, I, we we have a lot of clients that we work with in the tech industry, in the hospitality industry, uh, a variety of that that. You know, our, you know, we'll take the hospitality industry. You know, the summer season's coming, and some yeah. of them, that's a big part of their business, summer, spring, fall, kind of in there. And, you know, they utilize a lot of foreign workers uh, that come over on certain types of visas. Where do we, I mean, if, if we're sitting with some of our clients that are in that industry, what, what's, what, what's the advice or guidance? What, where do we think this is going with these types of industries that are very, I don't want to say fully dependent, but it's a critical part of their equation on how right. they deliver services? Well, I will say this theoretical American workers' first executive order draft included a provision that there would be a look back at all non-immigrant worker visa programs, and that would loop in the H-2B, which is what a lot of the um, Hotel, employers around the yeah. country rely on. And there's a cap on H-2Bs. So... 
you know, you, you come up upon this cap and then green cards for, let's say, lower skilled workers who might be doing landscaping, who aren't included in the, the agriculture group, um, who might be working at a ski resort right. or a hotel. There's only 10,000 green cards, so they have to rely on the H-2B visa. And, you know, it's like a whack-a-mole. If you can't get a green card for a worker, you can't get an H-2B. Something else. There is some pressure to then hire folks who are, aren't, docu- aren't documented. Right. So I'm hopeful that they're I haven't heard too much pushback from folks in the Trump administration as of yet about H-2B. So maybe there's a way. That's a good sign, right? That's a good sign. And there might be an opportunity to further refine and maybe even expand the H-2B worker visa. Having said that, the Trump administration has sort of one point of view about worker, immigrant worker programs, and that is to get stricter. So um, as it relates to the H-2B kinds of folks or as it relates to the tech folks, um, there's going to be a hard a hard look back. And I would say for the tech folks, you know, just to be aware that within that proposed executive order, I think there are, and some of it you, you really can't do on an administrative level. I mean, they, they outlined it, but I'm not sure they can actually do it. But So likely if they do something, it will be challenged. Um, some of it, but not all of it. Like, they could try to switch from just a simple attestation process for H-1B workers, let's say, which is literally just checking a box that you looked for an American worker first to a more robust certification process. Show us your application. you got to have so many applications. you got to have interviews. You have to have a process. And then, oh, by the way, it's not one box you're checking. It's 15. And then you can pursue the next step. Yeah, and even down to having evidence that you've advertised for American workers and that kind of thing. So there could be some effort to turn the high-tech worker visa program into more of a certification process like some of the lower skilled visa programs. Well, I know within um, the fishing industry that is a, a requirement. You know, you have a process you go through. You uh-huh. have to advertise. You have to show that you've interviewed. You, you have a, And then if you cannot fill those jobs exactly. then you can acquire whatever workers you need yeah. as many as you need yeah, in order to fill that requirement. You're exactly right because the H-2B program it requires a certification process versus just a simple attitude station process. Right. Do, do you think, you know, when I think of, uh, I, I know, you know, the state that I'm from and I rep- represent in the Senate of Alaska, you know, we, in the hospitality industry, you know, you could be in, um, you know, going to see Mount Denali and you go to the restaurant and they're speaking Russian. Yes. Uh, or they're speaking French or they're speaking, you know, it's a very robust. Or they're robust, Irish. Or they're Irish. Yeah. There's a very robust, <laughs> robust um process they bring folks in because some of those jobs people don't want they're 12-hour jobs they're remote uh you know it's hard hard to get people do you think the other part of it is for some of those jobs just to be honest is um timing that you know um college kids or high school kids if they want to take those jobs and they're american you know um they have to leave by date x that's right but the actual resort season doesn't end for another month and that's right three quarters months you could be in the mid-may to mid-september period good example here in washington dc the school school lots of schools are second week in june so that means if you want to work right in that if you want to go quote you know to alaska to go work in a resort you're not able to. Right. Because you have to literally 
quit school an hour, a month ahead, and oh, by the way, then you got to leave before Labor Day, right? which the season is still open. Right, and that sometimes leaves employers a bit in the lurch. Right. They they can't, they're, they're, they're without the kinds of folks who are helping them get through the high season. Do you, do you think this whole, you know, it's almost like every few days there's, well, every day, there's a controversy of some sort. And then about three days later, they then start talking about immigration again. And it creates this kind of stir. And it seems like somehow you got to get, you know, there was great comprehensive. You've been through it once. I've been through it as a senator. Uh, we always kind of get to the edge of doing this incredible, good, bipartisan compromise, immigration yeah. reform, which we all, I think, no needs to be done because where it was last done, the economies have changed, the workforces have changed. Do you think there's even a window with all this kind of every few days, it seems like there's, and I don't want to say anti-immigration, but there's controversy around immigration. So trying to do legislation seems even more difficult. Are we further away than we've ever been? Is that... And do you think there's pieces that can even be grabbed here in, the, in Congress? Yeah. He, here's what I would say about that. For all the folks who might be um, in the business community um, and listen to our podcast right. today is to stay in touch with you, stay in touch with me, because I really feel like things are going to continue to happen. on a There's piece. a lot of movement. There's a lot of movement and things are going to happen on a piecemeal basis. And we're going to know what's happening on a piecemeal basis. I truly do not believe within this year that there will be a way to to try to do comprehensive reform people might be people might start to hold meetings in you know some of the office buildings in the congress but there I, might be great discussion groups. There might or be, I call them book clubs. There might, yeah, there might be great, um, you know, congressional staff quote book clubs. Right. But um, I don't really see anything happening. And I and I also will say um, the back and forth a little bit um, that uh, that President Trump and some other folks had uh, Mansion, I believe, with respect to Trump saying he would take a look at the Gang of Eight built from 2013. I just don't believe it. It's not a reality. It is not reality. I Even gotten, though that was one of the rare moments during a period of time to have a bipartisan non-immigration to boot. Yeah, um, that is true. But just from having talked to folks in the Trump administration, you know, early on and also just knowing, you know, just kind of the state of play and what was included in that bill, I don't mean to be the, you know, the rain on the parade, but... Um, there it is, is not on the there list. There is no way. Let me ask you a, a couple other questions real quick, and that is, so there's a lot of discussion now, again, about sanctuary cities. You have mayors and governors somewhat upset about yes. that. Now, we can argue what a sanctuary city is, but mm -hmm. but there is a political definition of coming out of the Trump administration where they think it is. Now, we can argue if it's right or wrong, but there seems to be this concern uh, and then you couple that with the last, and, and again, you can argue when these were planned, were they planned first in the Obama administration, now carrying forward these raids and picking people up. What's clear is they're more visible than before in a sense of the raids. In other words, maybe the raids were occurring, but it wasn't like top of the news. So we have that occurring, sanctuary cities. We have um, a group of people who are here but not legally. We have workers or employers yeah. who are now getting nervous about their own workforce. May they be legal, but now they're not 
sure because now maybe their business is in a sanctuary city. Yeah. So how does this? How do we talk to our clients to help them understand all these pieces and not be kind of in this kind of fear world of oh my god, what do I do next? And right. If you go back to the Immigration and Nationality Act from you know it hasn't changed over the years. There is um, a presumed compliance by employers who make a good faith effort to fill out an I-9, to fill out the paperwork they're supposed to fill out. It's actually online now as it relates to um, non-U.S. citizens uh, workforce. And so I really wouldn't be terrible. So advice to a client is make sure you're following those rules. Correct. Because when you follow those, you are doing what's required. Right. And you have... A, a line of defense um, as long as you've made this good faith effort to comply. So I would say that there's, you know, I, I would I would hope that folks wouldn't be too fearful. On the other hand, there is this activity that's happening. Uh, honestly, I mean, it, this kind of activity has been happening. All the time. It's been, it, it's been happening since Bush won. I mean, yeah. it's been happening to a lesser degree, you know, since Clinton even, um, and got stepped up in um, George W. Bush and then the Obama administration. When I think of a raid, I think more of this sort of uninformed sweep that somebody like a Sheriff Joe, who is not an immigration um Officer, officer. Mm-hmm. and has no real prior knowledge, just goes out and does. Right. I think what's happening with these other activities is more um, focused, um, and I I just hope that no one is like looped into the activity who shouldn't be, because that's just terrible. Right, and that becomes the story. And that becomes the story. Which then makes immigration issues in Congress and everywhere just... So incendiary. Right. Yeah, and so I'm going to really start to watch them very closely to see how they are carried out and um, offer, you know, as for what it's worth, sort of my advice to folks in the Trump administration about how it's going. And how it's managed. And how it's managed. And how it's viewed, yeah, because it's all... If, if you're doing your job and it's just an extension of what the Obama administration did and you know that folks, that a, a, an employer has, let's say, repeated pattern of violation and you're going in to try to stop that, that might actually be the right thing to do. Right. But the optics of it are so important and picking and choosing. Because it gives an impression you... to the business community, to yeah. others, that, oh, my, what's happening here, right? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, this is kind of would be my, I, I think, my last question. But this is one that it's always, and I remember when I was in this and I, I voted no on this, and that is uh, the, the, the wall. This is like the debate that never ends. And it looks like. Well, it depends who you talk to. We, I don't think we're paying for it, but we may pay for it temporarily, and then someone's going to pay us back. But now there's debate of should we even do the wall by even people who are pretty strong Trump supporters yeah. who are bordering the wall area. And are we even going to really pay for it right. or do it as emergency spending? Right. Which and, you, and you had Speaker Ryan talk about should we do a, a supplemental to pay for this, and mm-hmm. that kind of like vanished from the radar screen now, I say that only because 
it may not have vanished, but there's so many other things happening so quickly that it may just got put in a lower shelf for right now. So where do you see this? This seems to be like the hot button in a sense of the flag waving, right? We're going to build the wall. But, but in a lot of ways, it's a symbol of the whole issue of immigration policy. Mm-hmm. So where do you think this is going, and do you think it's a realistic – do you think Congress is really going to go, okay, we'll – whatever the billions are it will cost. Yeah. I think it's just so complicated. Um, But, you know, part of what President Trump, I think, does effectively is he simplifies the message and, you know, he'll go back out and he'll get interviewed by some press outlet and he'll say, we're building the wall. Right. (laughs) Whether it's actually true or not remains to be seen. I know that. What do you think Congress feel is on it? Well, two things. One, um, it's interesting. I, w- I think they're trying to think about working on it. I'm not, I don't believe they've gotten um, a, a filled out request yet from the Trump administration on it. And um, I just feel like if it does happen this year, that it could somehow get folded into a defense supplemental. Mm-hmm. It's just an item that they've tried to do before. As an item. And, um, you know, how it will get paid for, I just am not sure. But I do know, I I have also heard that, um, at least as far as it's related to Arizona, I heard that there was an effort or there is an effort afoot to start this activity among border officials in Arizona to go out and to effectuate a program that got started years ago called BizFit, um, and that program um, allows for the construction of wall and other technology along the border. It kind of fell apart because um, there was a program called SBINet that was uh, actually owned by Boeing, and um, and and Boeing it just never worked, and so Senator McCain and some other senators were you know, very hard on Boeing about it. And that whole program sort of fell apart. But I will venture to say, just to quickly answer your question, that there are two efforts afoot. I think there are those who are trying to get things going on an administrative level because they do have the authority to do it, they believe. And then also the dollars needed on an appropriations level. So I think it really remains to be seen where things will actually go but on maybe this. maybe toward the end of the year we might see something because that's when the rush of the defense bill and other things start cropping up. Yeah. Um, if not before then, as it relates to, you know, a, a CR that might pass in April and then the attachment of some sort of defense supplemental, supplemental to right. it. But I think we just don't know. Yeah. And not to end it on a unclear note, but I would say, I would underscore for so many issues, whether it is tax reform, health care reform, immigration, um, or a myriad other issues, that anyone who tells you, who sits down and does one of these podcasts and says, we know 100% what they're going to do on H-1Bs, um, low-skilled workers, you know, even E-Verify and the wall. They're giving us alternative facts. They're giving us alternative facts because um, I really believe that all of this is a work in progress. And, it's more um, fluid than we've seen in a lot of years. Is I, that a fair statement? <laughs> it seems like 
you could be working on one subject this week, immigration, mm-hmm. and next week it could radically change. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, as always, Elizabeth, it's great to have you as part of the podcast, but also... Well, you ask such um, such intelligent questions. I don't know if they're and intelligent we, or and I appreciate what I hear enough it. of. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is great because you, you're, I think for our clients, I mean, it shows the depth that we have as a firm and you especially have in regards to immigration, homeland security, and the knowledge. And I think your advice earlier of people who are listening to the podcast, uh, checking in with us is an important part of it because we may hear something that is not out in the larger spectrum of right. information and can be very valuable to their business decisions and or work that they need to acquire from us to help them solve some problem around, especially immigration, which is a pretty volatile and never-ending complicated subject matter. Right. That's very right. Very willing to do it. Um, And with your assistance as well, I think it would be, I think we could answer some good questions. There we go. Thank you again for joining us and appreciate for the time. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information.